Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. As the Bad Roman Project has progressed, I have had the pleasure of seeing many people wake up to our awful situation, but it is still on a small scale. And then a fantastic film titled Jones Plantation comes out, and it is taking off like wildfire and reaching folks on a much larger scale. Today, Larkin Rose comes back on the show to tell us more about Jones Plantation. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching right, orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather left, serve God than right, serve Caesar, you left, know me? Right, I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. Larkin, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on again. Man, that last show you were on, we, we published that. I got, I got emails from people. I don't know if it was when you shared it or how it got shared, but it, it took off. And I was getting messages from non-Christians wanting to know more about the, the project and what we're doing with the Bad Roman, which was really cool because, you know, we don't want to just talk to Christians. We want to talk to other people, get other people that are not Christians to understand that we're not all like you see other Christians behaving out there. You know, right? there's a little small pocket of uh, Christian anarchists out here that are trying to redirect Christians, you know, in, in the right direction. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and, and, and doing that with us that time. And, and I'm hoping this reaches even more people with you being on the show today. Excellent. And I know there's so many people who like, they find things to disagree about. And the, when it comes to religious stuff, obviously, as you well know, people love to argue about that stuff all over the place, whether they're atheist or religion or, you know, Christians argue with each other and all over the place. And I just I so wish more people could recognize the things that don't matter as far as us getting along peacefully and the things that do. Like when we do away with the things that literally have us at war with each other, then we can nitpick about the other stuff. But first, we have to be capable of peaceful coexistence. So I imagine at this point, this I've, I've noticed you've been kind of blazing the trail of podcasts lately. And I, I'm, I imagine at this point, this is kind of second hat for you. You know, this is just part of your thing with Jones Plantation. You're just doing podcasts to promote it. And I think that's a good way to get the, the information out there about the movie. Are you exhausted at this point? Are you tired? Uh, not yet. I'm sure I'll get there <laughs> at some point. It's still fun. And it, it's interesting that, I, I don't know, I've done at least a dozen interviews about it and different stuff comes up every time. You know, there's, there's going to be some overlap and some common themes, but it, it keeps being interesting talking about it because it relates to reality in so many different ways. It's also really cool that right now the supposed mainstream media is dwarfed by a number of podcasters who are just, you know, guys who got a podcast, you know, Joe Rogan dwarfs cnn by a mile <laughs> and there's a bunch of others so it's really cool that so the people are sort of taking back the ability to do mass communication just by way of normal people having discussions like this and i think that's awesome right you know like joe rogan and i listen to him quite a bit because i think think some of the conversations are interesting but also there are a lot of things that he says that are very cringe to me like he's like he teeters on on one edge like he's almost there and then he says something completely stupid. I'm like, where did you go, Joe? What happened? You know, and it's, it's stuff like that. But I think you're right, though, that the fact that it dwarfs corporate media to me is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. 
And I've been a bit, big advocate for anybody starting a podcast. I hear all the time, we've got too many podcasts. No, we don't. I want more podcasts because I would love to see corporate media being squashed out of the mainstream. I don't want people watching that garbage anymore. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm all in favor of people like Joe Rogan, who there's plenty of stuff I disagree with him about, but he not he's not trying to lie to us on behalf of the establishment. I think he's saying what he believes, which I think a lot of is wrong and a lot of it's right. But when we can have communication that instead of a one-way propaganda machine, it's actually a discussion, that's how humanity actually progresses by normal people being able to say what they think and have discussions. Right. And you're not being force-fed a narrative that that they want you to believe. And that was something that I found so interesting about the movie, too, about how y'all were able to go through it. And, and I told you before we started recording, I was watching it and not laughing at the movie per se or, or what the content, because I thought the content was great, but laughing at the obvious symbolism of what we see when, you know, as an anarchist, like anything that I was laughing so hard many times through the movie because I was like, this is so obvious. And I wondered at the same time, are there other people who are not an anarchist and they're watching this? Are they confused or are they trying to go? Are they coming around to what we're talking about? I mean, because, or were they laughing along as as well? Are they seeing it as a joke? Because it wasn't a joke. It was a serious topic. Right. It's a serious topic. But I was laughing because like, this is hilarious because this is so obvious to people like you and I. Have you had any kind of feedback from anybody that's not an anarchist on, on this movie? Yeah. And the thing is, I think like people who focus on this and who already think about these things, we may notice more things and we may chuckle at more things, but there's enough in there that even normal people, they know the system's a joke. Like when it goes into the political ad, everybody laughs at that because they can all see the ridiculousness of it, even if there's still people who fall for it, <laughs> like vote and stuff. So there's certain things that everybody recognizes. Yeah, it is this ridiculous and then, you know, some of us are, are recognizing more things that may go over some people's heads. But one of the things I love about the movie is there's so much in it that everybody's, you know, even if they haven't ever thought about this stuff before, everyone's going to get something out of it. And there's so many layers to it that, you know, somebody can be pretty well versed in philosophy and politics and still get something out of it. Or somebody can be completely oblivious and get something out of it because there's just so much packed into it. Exactly. And I was curious, too. So there's no way we can get through everything in the movie in, in this podcast. But I, there were some things I wanted to touch on. And, and one of the ones at the very beginning of the show, what was his name that uh, came in to change everything? Mr. Smith. Is that his name? Mr. Smith. Yeah. I'm horrible with names, even if I just watched the movie or if I just <laughs> met too. you, I might not remember your name five minutes later. So forgive me. <laughs> me but this uh, he was talking about how they treat slaves as animals. And then human livestock, he said, but if they're managed properly, the minds of slaves can be the easiest to manage. And I thought that was such an important point, too, because if we see it with government, how they manage the human mind, how they manipulate the human human being with the with their narrative, they can manage them the way they want them to act. And that they treat and then it turns into this herd uh, mentality that we see all the time. I thought that was a great great point in the very beginning of the show to kind of lay the foundation for everything else. Right. And that's, um, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the last one we did. There's also a novel um, coming out at almost the same time of the Jones plantation, because there's more you can fit in a novel than you can fit in a movie. 
And that gets more into that discussion about why human beings make the best livestock. If you're a immoral sociopath and don't mind enslaving people, <laughs> but just, just consider the example of the IRS. Like, look how rarely they have to quote unquote whip somebody to get huge numbers of people, not only to pay tribute to them, but to like take hours to fill out these stupid, stressful forms that none of the people understand to begin with. Like they only have to make an example every once in a while. You can't do that with like an ox, like Mr. Smith explains. You can't like whip one ox and expect a hundred million oxes to then do whatever you say without hesitation or question. It's only people that that works on. And, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's really important to, to show people even about themselves how easy they are, generally speaking, to control and exploit. Because most people kind of, they think too highly of themselves <laughs> when it comes to what they'd stand up for and what they'd resist. Most of them don't stand up and resist. Exactly. And there was something else too. And the, the first time I watched the film, there was something I saw, there was a few times there was, you know, you could see like like a flower over the church and there was an image of the cross and stuff. And and I was wondering if that was intentional. You know, as a Christian, I saw that because and as a Christian anarchist, I see a lot of the problems in the church when it comes to statism and stuff. And I was wondering if that was intentional in the film that y'all did that, because I thought it was great because I think it needs to be I think it needs to be shown to Christians, especially when it comes to their view of the state, and how they interact with the state and how they're being treated as slaves, even though they think they're fighting for their own freedom through the state. Was that intentional or is that just something that? Part of it was just sort of practical necessity. Um, a lot of those scenes were supposed to be shot out on a front porch and it was 20 degrees and rainy and windy. <laughs> so we're like, um, that's not going to work. And there was a that really old church on the property. So that's where we filmed a bunch of the scenes that were originally supposed to happen on the front porch. Um, at the same time, I do think it's it's important and useful to throw in the fact that every any good idea, any good idea, bad idea, any idea is going to be used by nasty people to try to rule people. And religion is very much not an exception to that. And so a lot of people, a lot of like preachers, a lot of churches will just come right out and say, well, of course you obey the government and you pay taxes and you do as you're told. And you can like pray for something to change, but basically cooperate with your abusers and, you know, be collaborators <laughs> in the abuse of all your neighbors. And if if that can be pitched as being a decent, moral, religious, upstanding, whatever, a lot of people are going to fall for it. So it's not it's not like religion is the only thing used for that. Like everything is used for that. Uh, the fact that you know, you go back in history and you can see churches like referring to Jesus as an excuse to like violently attack people. <laughs> like, how do you take a pacifist and use him as an excuse to violently oppress people? But the this is what people in power do. They will use absolutely anything. And And patriotism, which shows up in the movie, is another big one that this vague concept of love of your country whatever the heck that means, is absolutely used by tyrants around the world, just like religion is, to trick people into going along with injustice and making them feel 
literally emotionally attached to their abusers and the abuse. And so they do it, they do it with everything, religion, patriotism, you know, everything under the sun, being a good person, obedience is a virtue, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Using, uh, using the Bible to attack people violently is completely contrary to the teachings of what Jesus was talking about. I mean, anything that Jesus was teaching and there's nothing you could go in there and say that he was say that he was directing you to go abuse somebody, whether it be passively, passive, aggressive, you know, by voting, but if, at the end of the day, that's still violent because you're putting somebody in power over somebody else where Jesus was very clear that we're not to do that, you know? So I just found that very interesting that, you know, with the showing the cross, you know, above the church. And there was a few times I saw it in the, in the movie and that really stuck with me. And I, I tried to ask the question, you know, towards the end or at the end when y'all had the, the question answered. I don't know if it ever got if it ever got uh, spoken to or not, because I had to jump off and go tend to some other stuff. But I, I wanted to ask you, since I had you on the show, if that was intentional or not, because I thought it was great. And- yeah, it was partly necessity and partly intentional because it is sort of. Mr. Smith is acting as a minister, but like the worst imaginable kind of minister. Oh, he sounded like a he's he sounded like a preacher a yeah. lot of times to me. Like I was thinking he could be a preacher if he could just get his, his story straight. <laughs> if he could just get, if he could change his story a little bit, he'd be a great <laughs> preacher. Yeah, Maurice Johnson played Mr. Smith and did an awesome job of being this diabolical psycho. That guy was fantastic. I don't know where y'all found him at, but that guy was fantastic. Yeah, Andrew found the whole cast, and most of them he just interviewed like by phone and by video. We 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 hadn't met by the time we shot the thing. Like the vast majority of the cast and crew had never met each other <laughs> until we showed up on set. Like, let's make a movie. Ready to go. Well, that's interesting because I told you at the end of the show, I want to ask you some questions from our discussion group. And one of them kind of has a question about the cast and crew, too. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Hey, folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. I kind of want to pick on you a little bit because I found it, your part in the movie was funny to me. You were a cop. Essentially, you were a cop. Yep. And, <laughs> and I thought, I was wondering how Larkin was handling this as being a cop on, on, on the movie. And then you turned into a bank teller at one point too. So <laughs> I just thought it was funny how he was a cop and a bank teller. I was like, that kind of goes hand in hand, maybe. <laughs> And I was wondering if he's having some problem, you know, handling this role as, as Larkin Rhodes. Well, it was pretty easy given that I had no lines and I just had to glare at people looking grouchy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. But yeah, I got to be in the background as a collaborator and thug of the oppressors. <laughs> that was fun. Well, speaking of the bank teller part, because I thought this was something very interesting because they talked about in the movie keeping people in debt. I've created something called Jones Plantation Credits. We're going to keep them up to their ears in debt. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, you know, the script, but keeping people in debt. And 
when I was watching that part again today, it, it occurred to me and it reminded me of a verse. It's Proverbs 22, seven. It says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And that's exactly what y'all were portraying in this movie. Like what, Mr. Smith even said, I'm going to give you all a little bit of money to get you ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point they became his slave. Yep. And I, I don't know if this is just me when I, when I look at this way, maybe, maybe you agree or disagree, but to me, Keeping folks in debt is much more effective than whipping them or jailing them, you know, or, or you know, whatever, because we saw it. And I and I hate to keep bringing up COVID because I talk about it too much on the show sometimes, but it's so relevant to even even today it's coming back. It seems like but anyway, we saw it during the COVID stuff. It was easy to get the obedience of people by taking away their jobs if you didn't get a shot or keeping you out of a business if you didn't wear a mask. So you were taking away their food. You were taking away their livelihood. And when you take away their livelihood, they're going to go into debt. They still have families to feed. And to me, that to me, it was very effective of the state to do that, to keep people enslaved. Yeah. And that that whole game, that's one of the things that like, uh, you know, you and I and people who think like we do, are going to recognize that, oh, this is the Federal Reserve System. This is how they actually do it. They make money out of thin air and loan money that didn't exist five seconds ago to people. And the people have to promise to pay it back with interest, despite the fact that the bank didn't have it to begin with. Like the Federal Reserve, that's how it works. And if people think this is a crazy conspiracy, you can look it up. They don't, they don't hide this fact. But so a lot of people know that and a lot of people don't know that. But if they're if normal people are watching the movie, they can think, oh, that's a clever thing. Like they said they were going to pay them and then they just print stuff on paper and pay them with basically nothing. Um, and once again, the the novel has more time to explain the, the stuff of the currency. And Smith basically explains we we pay them with nothing. We loan them nothing. And then they feel beholden to us, like they feel obligated to do even more work for us to pay off the supposed debts that we just fabricated out of thin air without giving them anything. And so that's something that that, you know, whatever level people understand and grasp, I hope they figure out that that's happening to them at the same time. And even the plantation owner, he's like, can I get my put my face on it? And it reminded me of Donald Trump wanting to sign the, the, the $600 checks they were going to send out, you know. Was that a Donald Trump, a jab at Donald Trump and wanting his name on the check? Or was that something y'all just thought would be funny? Not particularly. It's partly a reference to the fact that you have a bunch of political parasites on the currency. <laughs> and that's like around the world. Everywhere you go, you'll see parasites stuck all over the currency because they're that narcissistically <laughs> self-obsessed <laughs> he wanted his face on it and the expression that mr smith said your face you want your face on it <laughs> i just thought i just thought that was the funniest thing it's like because they they need so much recognition of their power they need these people are narcissistic every single one of them and they they don't even i wonder if they recognize how narcissistic they really are or, or is or is there do they have value people's uh, approval so much or is it just need for more power to show how powerful they are to have their money on a, on a piece of paper that they can give you to show it so you can buy things from them or, you know, and then they're going to later steal from you anyway. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm not sure most of them even can comprehend anything different. Like when someone goes full narcissist, 
their connection to reality is just kind of gone. Everything is a game to get what they want from other people. There's no such thing as true and false anymore. There's no such thing as morality. There's just whatever serves them, they're going to do it. And sadly, that (laughs) describes most people who get into positions of power. Um, But yeah, and to show people that by way of the currency trick, hopefully is going to like next time they (laughs) look in their wallet and go, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Are they doing the exact same thing to me? See some face of some past parasite looking (laughs) back at them. But again, you know, whether or not they get that or just think it's part of a fictional story, like they can still learn something. So let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit in the movie. When the little girl was killed and everybody was so upset about it, even the plantation owner was upset about it. He was ready to go kill whoever killed the, the little girl. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, sorry if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> but I found it interesting. <laughs> I found it interesting, too, that he just, he was so upset about it, and then I was like, then all of a sudden he was okay with it because he knew that at the end of the day it was going to give him a little more power, a little more leeway with the people, you know, and, and telling them what he wanted them to do. And it's the same thing we see. It reminded me of everything we see when it comes to, I mean, not not really to get into false flags or anything, but like the stuff with like school shootings and 9-11 and all this stuff, you know, go down the conspiracy rabbit trail if you want to whatever i'm not it's what it's not what i'm talking about here but you can tell you can see everything that has happened any tragedy that happens just let's just talk about the united states of america and you see how quick the state is to latch on to it and want to use it for their benefit to gain more power and that's exactly what was going on in the movie here right whether they're doing it themselves or just something has to you know happens to happen they're always quick to jump on board. And the, like, I imagine the only reason Mr. Jones was upset was like, Hey, something's killing my property. Right. (laughs) Like if something, if something was attacking somebody's sheep, they'd be like, let's go get the thing. It's not like he gives a damn about the people. It's just like, Hey, you're messing up my, my plantation by killing my property. And there's a number of examples of that in the movie where everything that goes wrong, whether they're making it go wrong or something else is an opportunity for psychopaths to grab more power. And they, the gross thing is they, they live for that stuff. Even if something just through, through nothing that they're doing, something horrible happens, you know, like an earthquake or something. They're like, Oh, quick photo op. Let's get down there and in front of the cameras and shed a fake tear and, and say how concerned we are and how eager we are to give away stolen loot that we just robbed from everybody to get credit for our, generosity of giving away other people's money to the victims of, you know, whatever natural disaster happened. They live off of that. They live off of suffering and strife. And I think a lot of people have sort of learned that by now. And I hope that the Jones plantation just sort of backhands them in the face with the reminder that, yes, this is the power of the state is your suffering. That's where they get their power. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you if you noticed this, if you saw this going around today on Facebook or any social media, and it kind of talking about what we're talking about right now. It's kind of kind of plays into that. There was a video that Oprah and The Rock put out about telling asking people to donate to the tragedy in Maui. You know, it was happening in Hawaii, and I don't know if it's a TikTok video or, or what it was, but there was this lady. This lady made a video and she responded to. It, she goes, "You're asking me." 
You're asking me and everybody else who's suffering through an obvious inflation crisis right now to donate. You're a billionaire and the guy standing next to you is a millionaire and you're asking us to donate to this tragedy? The gall of these people, and you know, and even the, the government can use people like that to get more money from us to, to help a tragedy, you know. So I don't know if you saw that going around. It's kind of interesting that what you were just saying, how that kind of played into it, because I saw that video a couple of times today. I was like, that is kind of disgusting. I've never been a fan of Oprah anyway. Kind of like The Rock, but now I'm kind of curious about The Rock. You know, if you're getting on board with Oprah now to kind of beg people for money, when you've got boatloads of money, you go help them. I'm still trying to buy eggs and keep my lights on. You know, it's the same type of thing. And always doing the the virtue signaling routine, showing everybody, look how much we care. It's like, if you were busy, like caring and being helpful, people wouldn't need to notice because you would actually care instead of just being self-serving. Yeah. Narcissist again. And that's, you know, that's a, a big thing in, in, Christianity is the purpose of giving is to help the other person, not to show how awesome you are. <laughs> and neither Oprah nor any politician seems to grasp the concept of giving what is theirs quietly to help other people. They they have to do all this grandstanding and, you know, politicians are giving away other people's money. And then Oprah's out there telling poor people to give away their money while she's sitting on however many billions she has. And it's yeah, it's just gross. I did I did see that going around, and it is disgusting. And, and there's the Bible's very clear about stuff like this too. If you're out there trying to help people and you want people to notice you're doing it, it's not going to be blessed anyway. Yeah, I mean you're you're just you're just doing this for your own self gratification. You're not really doing it to help somebody. Even if you gave somebody like the the lady in the Bible that gave Jesus all she had, that's all she had. But she wasn't doing it for self gratification. She was doing it because she wanted to help. Mm -hmm. You know, and just helping the poor, you know, because you want to help somebody, not because you need to be standing on the corner. And churches, there's a lot of churches that are very guilty of this, too. You know, I mean, I blast the church quite a bit on this show about how they grandstand. You know, the word you use, grandstand, I, I, it, it is disgusting to me. And, and when I saw this video, I was like, I mean, I'm sure Oprah calls herself a Christian. I don't know. I'm sure Rob called, probably calls himself a Christian. But I see a lot of pastors behaving just like they did today on this video I saw going around, you know, and it's, it is, it is disgusting to me and it, it grinds my gears, Larkin. <laughs> it gets me all up in arms about stuff that I just really want to grab them by their shirt collar and say, Hey, go to your corner and think about what you've done because this is not cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the Jones plantation, when you get the workers perspective of, you know, when Smith comes out to talk to them and, and tell them what's going on, you, you know, they get the image he he wants them to get of him. But in the movie, you also get to see behind the scenes of why they're actually doing all the things they're doing. And one of the main things I hope happens after people watch The Jones Plantation is realize, yeah, when the politicians and the famous people and come out and advocate, you know, whatever government stupidity or even just like giving away your own money while they're <laughs> rolling in their billions, like, I want people to start to think, okay, what discussions are these people having behind closed doors? Because we know the show they put on for us, but what are they actually like? And one of the most important lines to me in the whole movie is where Smith explains. To wield real power, you must be willing to do what most consider unthinkable. You have to be willing to do what most consider unthinkable. So I want 
the average viewer to start thinking and going, just how evil are these psychos? Like, would they actually cause suffering and death and mass murder to empower themselves? And the answer is yes, they would. But <laughs> most people may not be ready to all the way accept that, but I want them at least thinking about it by seeing an example where, you know, Smith is always there. We're trying to help. I really care. And like, I'm all broken up about what happened to the girl and blah, blah, blah. And then you see what happens behind closed doors and go, oh, you psycho, <laughs> you evil psycho. And I want people to start realizing that's almost everybody in high office. It's actually low office, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's a that's a great segue into what uh, as part of the movie I want to talk about next is the when the political contest was coming up. You two are going to have a little contest to see who can win the hearts and minds of the human livestock out there. Bo Jones! And there was a backroom meeting before the campaign. And this is exactly how I imagine everything going down every time there's a political campaign. They all get in a room together, give each other a script, and this is how you're gonna this is how you're gonna go. This is the things you're gonna say. And I thought that was fantastic. That was something when I watched it again today, you know, to prepare for this, and I was like, this is exactly what they're doing. We're, I mean, we're going into political season again, right? Mm -hmm. Don't tell me that none of these fools are not, none of these clowns are not in the back room together before they get on the Republican date debate stage and not going over their script before they get up on their on the stage. Because I don't believe you. I believe exactly that's what they're doing. And then they probably have to tell Joe Biden what's going on and Donald Trump what's going on. And then they can all pretend they're fighting with each other at the end of the day. Like we said on the last time you are on the show, they all go out and have dinner and have drinks together. But I believe they're at the beginning of the beginning of the campaign they all get together in the back room and put all this stuff together and they're probably handed a script like mr smith handed both of them a script to go by i thought that was hilarious and it was so on point and notice that in their campaign they dared to bash each other and insult each other to pretend they're actually at odds with each other because they can't admit they're on the same side that kind of foils the whole plan so the, you know, the Jones ad is bashing Johnson and the Johnson ad is bashing Jones. Meanwhile, they're all hanging out you know, behind closed doors and like, yeah, this is the show we put on. Weren't they cousins? Yeah. Did he call him his cousin? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if anybody caught that whenever he said that in the movie. I was like, there he is. It's his cousin. <laughs> this is a family affair. No, well, you know, the Bush family and the Clintons, and it's like, it's another little reference to make people think, yeah, these aren't like, these aren't individuals that the population in general was just so excited about that we, we need this guy in charge. Like, that still wouldn't work, but at least it would be honest. Like, I mean, years ago when Obama was running for office and everybody was all excited, I said, yeah, this is a real grassroots thing. All these people excited about somebody that they hadn't heard of a week ago. And none of you are suspicious about why are we all worshiping this guy that literally none of us had heard a week ago. This wasn't the people really like that guy and want to put him up there. Like out of the blue, this puppet appears to pretend to be an agent of, you know, the people in this grassroots upright. There's nothing natural about it. It's completely scripted. And people didn't even notice that, like, they, as long as they get to pick the choices, it doesn't matter which one you choose. And Smith, like, comes right out and explains that. Doesn't matter which one of you wins, that it's just us here. 
And so I hope people remember that that next time in CNN. I do hope people are going to be doing like hashtag vote Jones all over the place under like every campaign ad. (laughs) Just to make people go, wait, what? Who's this Jones character? (laughs) Well, also during the campaign too, you got the one side that was so obviously one side and then the other side offering to give everybody equal pay and all this stuff. And they were all standing up applauding this stuff. Everybody wants to be treated equally and all this other stuff. And, they're, they're begging, they're getting this from one guy, and it, he ended up getting elected, right? And the guy that, that was offering the equal pay and all this stuff, he ended up being the one, and the one guy's like, but this is still my plantation. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> and Smith has to explain, like, you're still in charge. This is just the show we put on, and here's why we're doing it this way. And that's something that, uh, again, the novel has more time to get into him explaining why they're actually doing this, because because. Johnson and Jones, I think in the novel say, yeah, if we're paying them equally, we just took away the incentive for them to actually work hard. Like now what? And Smith explains why at certain points in time, there's actually an advantage to that of we're going to give them almost nothing. Like we're ahead in certain areas. So we, we do the commie thing. And in, in Johnson's speech, there's actually a pretty close direct reference to Karl Marx because Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto were out by then. So Smith referenced, he doesn't mention him by name, but it was, it works to be in the time period of Johnson in his, in the, in the novel, in his speech references, there's these brilliant new minds coming up with new ways to arrange management. It's a direct reference to Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto, because that was already out by like 1850. And so that's, that's actually referenced in there. Well, yeah, and they also want to, they're, they're also saying they're not there to rule over you. We're here to serve you. And we hear all that garbage too. And that's that, that's the idea of the Republic, right? They're not here to, they're here to represent us and to serve us and not to rule over us, which we, at this point, everybody in this world should know that's garbage, but uh, apparently that's not the case. And that's why I think that the, the Jones Plantation can help people understand that a little bit better or maybe push them over the edge. I think that's, I think that's what this movie is going to do. Yeah. And the thing is, there's so many little points about this that uh, the like when when Smith is there saying, you know, Jones, we're going to keep him here to manage certain things, but he's no longer your master. And now his management skills are going to be used to serve all of you. That's a perfect example of something that I think most people instinctively know is complete BS whenever politicians say it. But this is just sort of an all the way slap in the face, because in a in a setting of a fictional story, everybody's going to groan at that and go, yeah, right. He's there to serve you. He's just one of the workers now. And and he's even like Mr. Jones is even grumbling about like, hell, I am. (laughs) But to take things that people kind of instinctively already know and just completely slap them in the face with it like this, like I think is a handy way to you know, give them the reminder. So when they go back out in the real world and they see politicians talking about, I will serve you, even the thumb. (laughs) Did you notice the thumb waggle thing that politicians do? (laughs) Like no actual human being ever does that. But the shaking your thumb at people like that even showed up in it. (laughs) So but I want people to, to, you know, if they're already instinctively distrustful of politicians anyway, which pretty much everybody is now, even if they're still playing the stupid game. I want this to just double down on smacking them over the head with that's the game that's going on. And if you're voting for it, that's the game that you're still falling for. 100 percent. 
Okay. One thing, one more thing I want to touch on, and then I want to get to the questions from the discussion group. Some of the, some of the listeners to this podcast have, but at the end of the show, when the guy was the one, the one guy that was standing up saying, there's something wrong here. Well, there, there was also your, your cohort, the other cop, like he started saying, like started saying something was wrong here, you know, and he went to Samuel and then, but Samuel was like the one standing up saying, they're not out there for you though. And he was getting blasted by these people. They were just basically wanting to shut up and to go along to get along. And then you saw at the end when they finally arrested him and took him out there to whip him. And then they all of a sudden, everybody was kind of watching it. And then the more they whipped him, the more they started cheering. And then everybody, the one person started cheering. Then another person started cheering. Then everybody was cheering for this guy getting beaten for speaking out against what was going on. You know, this guy ran away. He was given supposedly the, the freedom to leave this plantation and that was set up to where he'd get arrested. They go pick him up and he was told that you would, you were safer here. And they, even one of the guys told him and said, you saw what happens to you when you leave there. That world out there is nasty. You're safe here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the harder you struggle, the tighter your chains become that line in that movie was like, that needs to be a meme because that's something that people need to understand too, that, that the harder you struggle, the tighter your chains become. But it doesn't mean we have to we stop standing up and saying being out loud about this stuff. And I, I mean the guy suffered for it, but he was right. And, and and not to bring up COVID again, but we saw it all through COVID too. How many times did we see friends and family turn against each other during COVID? Yeah. When somebody's like, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I have a question. And if you even just had a question about it, you were blasted for it. Yeah. And we saw it for three years. And the way this movie came out after all that, you know, y'all weren't y'all weren't making this movie in because of COVID. Y'all were making this movie, but it's funny how that all kind of came out after COVID kind of went away, so to speak, because we saw that so much during COVID. I witnessed it. I've had it with my own friends and family. Yeah. Co-workers strangers in the street at a doctor's office getting screamed at for not wearing a mask or, you know, and then, and like I mentioned earlier, people losing their, their jobs for not getting a vaccine or something. This guy was right, but nobody wanted to hear him because they were afraid they felt safe under this new administration or this new government that they have. Yeah. And that's one of the most unusual things about this movie is one of the main things I hope it does is make lots of normal people watch it and not at all be sure they would have been on the right side. Like normally the the viewer wants to to relate to the hero, rah, 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 I would have been on his side. I want people to realize, no, you wouldn't. Most of you would have been on the wrong side, as demonstrated by the fact that most of you are on the wrong side most of the time, and you're cheering against the few people who actually want freedom not just for themselves, but for you too. And I want people to watch it and having seen like what the workers were allowed to see and then what's going on behind closed doors, I want people to wonder like, would I have been one of the ones like not only I fell for it, but I actually cheered when the one guy trying to speak the truth is getting punished for it because sadly that's most of human history is the throngs cheering for the malcontent troublemaker to be whipped or punished or killed or, you know, whatever throughout history, because most people are that easy to manage. Like Smith said, human livestock is pretty easy to manage if you know how to do it. And I want lots of people to realize, yeah, you think and act like livestock 
and you hate the only people who are trying to help you be free and you cheer for your victimizers. That's what most people have done throughout most of history. I'd like that to stop pretty please. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't mind, we would like to be left alone. (laughs) That's too much to ask. If you if you don't mind, <laughs> is it too much to ask? I mean, we're not asking a whole lot. I'll leave you alone on, on the on the flip side as well, too. <laughs> okay, so there's three or four questions here uh, from from the discussion group from the Bad Roman discussion group on Facebook, folks. If y'all are not familiar with it and you listen to the show and you're on Facebook, go check us out on Facebook. We get into a lot of different topics, but. I offered uh, some of the listeners the chance to ask Larkin Rose some questions about the movie that they wanted at, you know, answered, you know, after they watched the film and I got four of them, some pretty good questions. Um, the first one is why did, why did y'all feel breaking the fourth wall, like talking directly to the audience would work better than a classic approach? It's funny because when, when Andrew first suggested that I absolutely hated the idea. <laughs> I was like, Oh, don't do that. I hate that. I Now it's grown on me and I actually like it. I think the one thing that's good about the movie when it comes to like modern audiences is that there's a number of things that just sort of throw you out of your chair in the middle of the movie. Like when suddenly Smith turns and he talks to you, it it just sort of breaks up people's, you know, the, the casual flow. At first I hated the idea. Um, and then at the end, Mr. Jones does his version of breaking the fourth wall. And it, it makes it a very different kind of film. I, I originally pictured it as basically sort of a drama period piece thing. And I didn't nearly imagine that that much of it would be funny. Um, Andrew, the director early on knew that there were going to be funny things in it. And I was like, did you read the same script? Because (laughs) this doesn't seem funny to me. And he was totally right. And they're funny in a really weird way. It's not like it's a comedy, but it's making fun of the insanity of it while not at all downplaying how evil it is. Um, But I think that the fourth wall thing, um, it grew on me because it's a weird enough way to grab people's attention. And there's a number of things like that in the movie. Um, The (laughs) the campaign ads are obviously a huge one where suddenly like, what is happening? Why am I watching a political ad? (laughs) Um, And then the, the fourth wall at the beginning and the end are break it up like that. And, I I think it just gives it a very sort of cult classic vibe rather than just sort of some boring period piece. And it's weird. And some people aren't going to like it. Like I said, I hated the idea to begin with. And now I kind of like it. So it was just sort of a like that was that was Andrew's choice to do that. And now I approve of it because I think it it does do a good job of sort of keeping people off guard and keeping their attention by having weird things happen here and there. Well, it did seem to work. I mean, the film's fantastic. I mean, I, I didn't, whenever the, the question was posed to me, I didn't even know what fourth wall was. I had actually had to look it up. I was like, what's he talking about in this question? I want to make sure I knew what I understood it. <laughs> and I looked it up and I was like, oh, I get it now. Uh-huh. But it worked. I mean, it worked with the film and it, and it's, I, I didn't see any flaws in it. I mean, I thought the whole thing was done the way it should have been done. Like, I don't think y'all could go back and be like, well, maybe we could change something here. I don't know. Maybe y'all kind of, you know, thought differently about that, but I'm, I don't know, because to me, it seemed like it just worked out the way it was supposed to. And however y'all had it planned, whoever you had in charge doing this knew what they were doing. Cause I think it worked well. And some of it was planning and some of it was like, 
on the spot trying to make up for some other thing that didn't work. So a lot of the time, like panic is the mother of invention. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really like how it came out. And if I had directed it, there's no way it would have been that good because all the weird quirky stuff wouldn't have been there. It would have been a lot more sort of boring and flat. And so, yeah, I'm really happy about how it came out. So y'all, and you told me before we started recording that it was, y'all been working on this for three years, right? Which, like you said, it was, it was just not a long time to work on a film, I guess. But because I was under the understanding that it, y'all been working on this for years. Like I told you, like I never watched the, uh, the uh, animation version of this. And you told me that was 12 years ago. Yeah. And y'all been working on the film for three years before you released it. So, I mean, if it took three years to do that, I mean, if y'all had spent another three years, I don't know if you could have done it any better. I mean, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, especially for the budget we had. But yeah, I'm really, <laughs> really pleased with how it came out. I saw that. I was, I was, I was reading some of the reviews on, uh, I is it IMBD? Am I saying that right? I was reading some of the reviews a while ago before you got on here. And one of them was talking about the budget. And for the budget, this is a great film. I'm like, I couldn't tell that they had a low budget. To me, it was a film that if you went to a theater and watched, like y'all have done some, some, uh, some showings at, at film at theaters and stuff. And I don't know, I would have never known it was a low budget by what I saw. Cause it seemed like it flowed very well. And it seemed like it, it was put together very well. Whoever y'all did, y'all did fantastic. And I'm not sitting here trying to kiss your ass Larkin, but I just thought the whole film was great. Well, yeah. And I didn't make the movie, so <laughs> you can gush all you want over it. I mean, <laughs> I wrote the script, but it was mostly Andrew who pulled off miracle after miracle I mean, we didn't have a budget for all sorts of departments, so he we'd sort of refer to him as the department. <laughs> like, where's the art department? We don't have one. It's just Andrew. Like, who's arranging catering? Uh, Andrew. <laughs> and so the number of things he had to do, which a director's not supposed to have to do, was huge. And the number of just miracles that got pulled off was just amazing. And yeah, to me, it doesn't look like a low-budget thing, even though, you know, a, a Hollywood blockbuster would literally spend more on the catering bill than we did on the whole movie. <laughs> Man, some of the movies we watch these days that are coming out are just complete garbage and there's nothing to it. There's nothing about it. The storyline's terrible. There's no, there's, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. I, it, it's just terrible. Anyway, I don't want to go off on that tangent about Hollywood because aren't they in a striders or a writer's strike or something right now? Like they can't even get together. <laughs> yeah. Actors and writers striking at the same time good for them which is fine with me all right there's the second question was was there any relevance to naming the one character samuel trying to warn the people like the old testament prophet of the same name was that was that something that was thought of or was that just a a happy accident that that was mostly a happy accident he was samuel in the original animated version 12 years ago to me it was just sort of a an everyman name and it 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 sort of just matched the character of just you know, like he's not this big badass hero. He's just some guy going, I'm not sure this is right. And so it just seemed to fit. Um, I don't recall putting that much effort into like thinking what the name was. Now, of course, slaves had a lot of biblical names back then. So it was also a common slave name. So I probably looked that up just to see, well, what was what were some of the most common names? But other than that, that was just sort of happy coincidence. Cool. He, uh, well, it caught one of the li- one of the listeners' uh, eye when he watched the film. All right. The next question is the satanic worship scene and the self-flogging. There wasn't really a question. He kind of wanted you to just talk about it. Like, 
what was that all about? Because it seemed it didn't seem random, but it was all of a sudden. And it's like when the cop showed up and he saw the dude beating himself, you know, with the whip and stuff. And he seemed a little confused about what was going on. <laughs> after This was right after the scene when the cop was sitting against the tree drinking by the campfire. And he walks in there drunk and he sees this guy beating himself and stuff and worshiping in front of this, this skull. I mean, so what was what was that scene all about? Yeah, that was interesting because Andrew and I went back and forth on how much of that stuff to include. Uh, by the way, Jimmy Jack, that is Andrew for anybody who doesn't know. That's the director played Jimmy Jack, the, the overseer. Um, and I did want to include something about that. I didn't want it to seem like like that sort of the punchline of, aha, it's because he's a Satanist or into the dark occult or something. Like, because they can play these games whether they are or not. Um, I was okay and happy to drop that in there because I do think a number of of people who gravitate towards high or low positions of power, depending on how you look at it, really are demented enough to get into the dark occult and they really, like, do some seriously deranged stuff. But that isn't supposed to be sort of the punchline. Notice we didn't dwell on it very long. It's that there's that one scene. Um, there's also a mention later where where Johnson says, you really did sell your soul to the devil. And Smith goes, did you see what I got in return? So th there's that little mention. Because I did want to to drop that little thing for people who do wonder about it. Because I do think, and I'm no expert on this stuff, like Satanism and the dark occult and all that stuff. Um, I do think a number of the people in power, and I think like even Hitler was pretty well known to be into the dark occult. And I think some of them are deranged enough that they really are into that, <laughs> that stuff. I don't even believe in a, the devil or, or anything. And if somebody does, they, you know, you can disagree with me or not. Um, but I thought it was good to drop that in as long as we to make people just sort of wonder and to realize, yeah, these aren't just well-intentioned people whose plans don't always work out. Like some of them are as deranged and horrible as you can possibly imagine, if not worse than you can possibly imagine. But I didn't want that to be the focus of like, oh, aha, that's why he's bad. It's like, no, that, it, that thing's sort of optional. But it was also fun for that to be another thing that sort of catches the viewer off guard. Like, ah, now what's going on? Sort of knocks people out of their comfort zone. Um, even though that that scene is sort of optional, it, it, it makes sense. And then if you noticed, it goes right into this weird angle shot of Smith going, I know you're scared and like and then comforting them and stuff just to try to highlight the fact that, yeah, what they do when they're in front of cameras is nowhere near what they do when they're not in front of cameras. Now, whether it's literally worshiping the dark occult or, you know, hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein or all manner of other demented evil garbage. Um, I did, I did think it was worth dropping in a thing to, to make people wonder like just how demented and psychotic are these people? Cause the answer is really, really demented and psychotic some of the time. Well, I think it worked well with, especially for, Christians are going to be viewing this film because like I mentioned earlier with the, with the cross and the church and stuff and that image. And then you got this guy doing this because as Christians, you know, especially Christians, anarchists, when we understand what the state is and why we follow Christ and not the state, because the state is backed by Satan himself in the Bible. So I thought it worked really well, especially for your Christian viewers 
if they if they take the Bible seriously, when Satan offered Jesus rule over the kingdoms of this world, which includes the United States of America or wherever you live, there was not really a whole lot of context with it. it would just show this guy doing it. I was like, yeah, I get it because he's with the state. <laughs> he's part of the he's part of the problem. He's worshiping somebody who's not following peace. He's following evil. So it worked well for me. It worked. It's going to work well for other Christians when they see this. All right. The last question is. Have you noticed any change from anyone about participating in politics or what was the effect of the movie on the cast and crew? Like, and this is an interesting question for me as well, too, because like you said earlier that y'all don't, you don't, y'all didn't know each other. Y'all did some like some video and stuff before y'all got together. Was everybody working on this show anarchists? Were some of them status was, and if some of them were status, did they kind of change their mind or were there's everybody in the same mindset as Larkin Rose and Craig Hargis? The majority of people involved had no idea who I was and had no idea about volunteerism okay. um, ahead of time. That's most of the cast. Um, the Lee Gallman, who plays Mr. Jones, has his own podcast and he's already like completely on board. Um, and of course, Jimmy Jack is the director and he's on board. I wouldn't have let anybody direct it who wasn't. Most of the others, they didn't know anything about me or or, or weren't into this stuff at all it's been interesting to see their responses like responses to other people but they were sort of for me the first test audience like while they were in the process of making it now when you're in the middle of making a movie obviously you're kind of busy and distracted but i still had time to have a few little conversations with them and noticing the things they notice of like hey this is like that and this is what they really do and different people will notice different things and for a lot of that, I think for a lot of people who aren't into these ideas and aren't into political philosophy and that sort of thing, it's going to have to rattle around for a while, like days or weeks or months. And, you know, as they go about their lives and noticing all around them, ah, we're all on the Jones plantation, like it's the same thing. Um, so I do know from the from little discussions with a few members of the cast and crew and from a lot of hearing secondhand, like some voluntarist I know showed it to their family and here's the, what they had to say about it. So I'm getting lots of sort of secondhand versions of, of what people got out of it. And a lot of people seem to quickly understand, yeah, this is pretty much what we have. That doesn't mean they're instantly voluntarist. Like notice that the, the movie doesn't say what should be. It just rips out the guts of what shouldn't be, but is. <laughs> And so the, the process of people sorting it out and trying to figure out, okay, what do we do about it? Like we voted for Jones and then we voted for Johnson. What else is there? Some of us voted for Noah. The, I like that part where the, one of the, the workers is like, can I run too? Yeah. Did it do anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention that part. That's so so I hope a, a bunch of people, pro-freedom people who are sort of hoping for a political solution, notice that and realize, oh, man, that was, that was like a dig at us because, yeah, we didn't accomplish anything. We sort of awkwardly wandered into the circus and got smacked to the side. And nothing happened. Hand hand libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> Libertarian party and pretty much any third party. And Right. <laughs> but it's been fascinating to watch people sort of have to because, you know, a zillion people have a zillion different views on how things are. Most of them aren't very, oh, this is going to sound elitist. They aren't very refined. And by that, I mean, they don't 
think in terms of principles and specifics. It's just some people go, ew, I think the Democrats are gross and the Republicans aren't quite as bad. And some people do it the other way around and they don't they don't think in any more precise like principles or concepts than that. But most people still recognize that, yeah, the political system we have is a mess and they're all a bunch of corrupt liars on both sides and the system doesn't work and it doesn't serve us. And and so I think the fact that most people kind of instinctively get that makes it even an even better opportunity to have a movie like this, just slap them in the face with it and say, this is what we're under. This is what's happening right now. This is the game they're playing. Are you going to vote for Jones or Johns? <laughs> and get people to start going, why am I doing that? Like, why do I think this is going to accomplish anything? It never accomplishes anything. Um, so, so far, I've mostly just gotten bits and pieces of like hearing people basically describing their processing of it when they're people who haven't heard of voluntarism and don't even think about politics most of the time. And um, which that's not an insult. Like I dream of a world where nobody will have to think of politics ever because the monster will be gone. Um, a lot of people are just trying to live their lives, but they're also accidentally like enabling and empowering the worst people in the world. So it, it's been interesting and I'm still like gathering cause it hasn't been out very long. I'm still gathering a bunch of like secondhand accounts of how it struck different people and the parts that maybe they're, I, I'm surprised. I haven't really heard anybody sort of getting defensive of anything because you have a pretty clear illustration of, you know, Johnson's representing basically Marxism and then Jones and his campaign is representing, you know, this is about hard work and you get rewarded for your hard work, which by the way, is something I believe in. It's just, they're going to rob you in the process. <laughs> they don't mention the fact that you can work hard and we'll steal most of what you produce and let you keep a little tiny bit. You know, and Samuel at the end explains that, like they leave us just enough that we don't rise up or run away. This isn't freedom. Um, and so it's, it's been fun watching people going through the, the, the processing of what they saw, because I think as with a lot of, you know, important books or movies, the main impact isn't necessarily going to be immediate. It's not going to be while people are watching it. I mean, some things they'll laugh at and they'll chuckle at and they'll go, oh, that's what we're living through now. But I think it's going to be rattling around inside a lot of people's heads for a pretty long time after they've seen it, trying to sort out how much is that my the reality I'm in and how much am I unwittingly helping it? And like, am I one of the ones cheering for the the one good guy to be punished because I fell for it and he didn't? Um, and they're, you know, in the last few years, whole lot of people, the answer to that is, yep, that's you. <laughs> you cheered for the people telling the truth to be stopped on. Um, and so there's, uh, it'll be fun to do sort of longer term um, interviews and asking people what they got out of it and how they've processed it over time. But I'm I'm really happy about sort of the short term responses I've gotten from different people, which has mostly been in the form of, of little conversations, but I don't know anybody who just watched it and go, Oh, I guess that was just some story. Like every, you can't not notice some of the parallels. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty in your face and punch in the nose. Um, so, you know, people can watch the matrix and have no idea that it's supposed to be a parallel to this. 
you can't watch the Jones plantation and miss the parallel. You can't miss all of them because <laughs> it just runs you over with a tank with some of them. Right. And and I, I think that's what I appreciate so much about it too. And it's something that we try to do with this project is, you know, in the beginning of the, of the podcast, I was, I would beat people over the head with stuff and it wasn't working. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but when you can say some things and say, okay, this is what I'm putting out there. Now you think about it then. And like, it, it might not be immediate, like what you just said, but eventually it starts coming around. And I think that's what's going to happen with the show as well, because it's with the movie, because it's y'all didn't say, okay, now that you've watched this movie, you have to start believing this way. That's not what y'all did. Y'all left it at, at, at what it is. Now think about it. You see the parallels, you see what's going on in your everyday life, struggling, going about your day in life, trying to put food on the table now think about it. And I think that's what's great about the movie. And that's what we do with the Bad Roman podcast. And that's what the Jones Plantation movie is about. I think it's fantastic. Before before you get out of here, why don't you tell everybody, if they haven't listened to the, or, or seen the movie, tell them where they can find it at and where they can purchase it. And I'm going to take my laptop back to my family when I go visit on the holidays. Because like my mom's there with us. She's there. But I've got other family that send me messages asking me questions about certain politicians on the Republican side, what I think about them. And I'm like, listen, they're all the same to me. I don't pay any attention to them, but I'd like to take my laptop and ruin Thanksgiving dinner with the Jones plantation. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I like about it is that I don't really think most people have a reason to get defensive, even if they still believe in this candidate or that party, because it's, a sort of fictional (laughs) story. So like whatever connections they do or don't make, like what is there to get mad at? So, so far I haven't seen anybody get like all defensive and angry about the movie because what would you be mad at? Unless you're like, I think Mr. Smith is awesome and he's going to save the day. (laughs) Well, what is there to get mad at? Because it doesn't say this is the person you're voting for. Um, Even though it is, but, but it doesn't say that. Um, so I actually think, and I thought this early on when Andrew had the idea, I actually think this is a very good way to introduce it to, to people who don't necessarily think about these things because they don't really have a reason to get defensive or offended because it's just this fictional story and either they learn something from it or they don't, but it's not, it's not an attack on them unless they're like literally... <laughs> slave plantation owners, in which case they deserve to be attacked. But but if they're not that, nobody has a reason to feel all offended. So the movie can be seen at jonesplantationfilm.com. We're also taking pre-orders for the novel, which we're about to do the first printing, and that's thejonesplantation.com. The astute observer will notice there is no the in the movie title. It's jonesplantationfilm.com to watch the movie online and then thejonesplantation.com to pre-order the book. And I don't I don't know how long that printing will take before the the novel is out. But I actually think I mean, it is, you know, there's some violence and there's some nasty words and stuff. I mean, like one person brought up, it says the N word. It's like <laughs> on a slave plantation. How nice do you think they were to their slaves? Um so it's, you know, it would, if it had a MPAA or whatever it was rating, it would be R for language. And there's actually less overt violence in it than the average slave movie. But there is, you know, there's 
people get whipped and somebody gets killed and stuff like that. Um, other than people who aren't too fond of watching movies with, you know, bad language and some violence in them. I don't really see why anybody would, why I wouldn't show it to anybody. There isn't really anybody I wouldn't show it to or wouldn't want to have see it. Now for voluntarists, I suggest you watch it first. So you know what it is. Um, and then if you deem it worth spreading with people, spread it to them. Doesn't need an explanation. Just see what they think about it after the fact. Because so far, a lot of people have, um, like, they've used the term thought-provoking specifically because they go, whoa, I'm going to have to think about this. And that, that to me, is the best compliment. To say, oh, it's awesome, it's cool, okay, whatever. But when people say it's thought-provoking, excellent. That's what we were going for, to provoke a whole bunch of thought. The world needs more thought, so we're trying to provoke some. So uh, I'm hoping people are going to spread it all over the place and and get it in front of people with bigger audiences and stuff like that and everywhere we can. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, one, one thing I like about how y'all set it up is when I purchase the film, I have the film forever so I can take it with me and I can share it. I can share it. Like I said, go blow up Thanksgiving dinner. I can just sit back and watch everybody's reaction, see if they watch them, watch it, you know, myself, because that would be entertain, entertaining for me. Like, I think they would understand a lot of what's going on. They would get it. But I wonder sometimes would they like, well, we can still fix this on November 4th or whatever day election day is these days. I know it's in November. That's all I remember. One last thing I'd throw in is I think a room full of Democrats and Republicans could all watch it and enjoy it and chuckle at parts and feel awkward at parts and not feel like they're like they have to end up at odds with each other at the end of the movie because it isn't about my party's better than your party. I I think they'd all feel kind of awkward and uncomfortable about the idea of voting for, for anybody, like depending on how much it actually registered in their brain. But it doesn't have to like make enemies of people because it doesn't pick one side. It literally shows here's the machine giving us two sides to pick from. So I think it can actually bring people together like every politician says they want to do and absolutely none of them actually want to do um, in a way that none of them need to feel offended or defensive unless they're literally slave plantation owners. And then I'm okay with offending them. At the end of the movie, the, the Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Constitution Party, whoever you got watching it, whoever, Green Party, I don't care. They can all wake up and say, oh, we do live on a Jones plantation. And maybe it's time we stop supporting it and be like Samuel and start speaking out against it. Larkin, I appreciate your time, man. I really appreciate you coming back on the show and and, and speaking to us about this. And again, the, the movie's fantastic. I'll, I'll watch it again because sometimes I'm going to find it funny and sometimes I'm like, all right, I need to point this out to somebody because, or I'm just going to show them the movie because it's, it's, it's so obvious to me and I want it to be so obvious to everybody else. But again, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show and doing it. We're, we're going to do this again. You're going to be, become a regular guest of the Bad Roman Project, and we'll just talk trash about Christians sometimes. <laughs> when you get frustrated on Facebook about Christians, I'll be there and be like, all right, come on back on the show. We're going to do it again. Sounds fun. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for having me again. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. 
Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Thank you.